0: Hello everybody this is parshas parshas kairach and the parsha begins with the words vayikach kairach and kairach took. but the parsha doesn't really go on to explain who exactly kairach took. cuz then after it lists kairach's lineage it continues and says vi dussan va viram and dussan which clearly implies that the taking was not going on them cuz it sounds like they're also taking so what exactly is this Vayikach, this taking of Kairach that the Parsha is referring to? So many Midrashim, I just want to talk about two of them. First, the Gemara says in the name of Rish Lakish. That Rish Lakish says, Vayikach Kairach, the Gemara is on hedgeron, koftes, and an Vayikach Kairach, Amar Rishlakesh, Shalokach, Mekach, Ro'ola, Atzmei. Kairach took a bad Mekach, a bad deal. He made a bad transaction for himself. And the Gemara goes on to explain that what it means here is that Kayrach, he saw that ultimately from him is going to be the great Navi Shmuel, and he made a bad decision. And he thought that he is so great that if Shmuel, a Navi, who the Gemara tells us was greater in some ways than Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron, is going to come from him, and he Kayrach must also be surely very very great, and he has the right to rebel against Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron. So that was the bad mekach, the bad choice that Kayrach made. Now the question is, what exactly do you mean is a bad deal? Usually when you buy something, you get something in return. Here, what did Kairach get in return? Seemingly, Kairach got nothing. He ended up in the hole with everyone else. What's the language of a mekach of, a, of an acquisition? He didn't buy anything. So the Bar Yosef explains as follows. He says that we find that Kairach did obviously have very, very great tzchus. He obviously had very, very great merits because he did merit to have such amazing grandchildren, great-grandchildren, as the Gemara describes over there. How did he merit that? And he explains that if somebody brings about a Kiddush Hashem, if somebody ultimately is the one who through him a great Kiddush Hashem happens, that's a merit to them. Now, a person can do that in one of two ways. A person can do it through a positive. He can go and do the right things that people learn from him, and that brings about a Kiddush Hashem. Or a person could do it through the negative. A person could go and do great averis and HaKadosh punishes him in a very public and very open way. And then people learn from him that you don't mess with HaKadosh Baruch Kairach had a choice. He could have taken the good route or the bad route. and Kairach took, he took the bad route, he took the bad Mechach. He brought about Kavachim Shemayim. He did, but he did it in the wrong way. He thought, that the reason why he's going to have Shmuel come from him is because of doing it in the bad way. And that was a mistake. Karech could have done it in the right way. Karech, such an influential person, such a powerful person, if he had chosen to bring about the truth of Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah through positively standing beside Moshe and using all his powers for good, he would have had the good Mechach. He would have made the right choice and would have brought about Kavod Shemayim in a positive way. That is what the Medrash is teaching us. Every single one of us has a mission in life. We could do it the right way, or we could do it the wrong way. God's plan is going to happen anyways. It's our choice. Do we want to take the good route or the bad route? That's one shot. in Vayikach Kairach. The other shot, the Medrash says, is as follows. Vayikach Kairach, says the Medrash, it doesn't mean that Kairach took, because it doesn't say who he took. Rather, says the Medrash, it means he was taken Vayikach, Karach, Karach was taken by who? Who took Karach? Liboy, his heart. Karach's emotions, Karach's ego, it took a hold of him and it dragged him down. And the Medrash tells us that if you look in the Tanakh, the Torah talks about many times different people in Tanakh have a conversation with themselves. They talk to their heart. But there's a fundamental difference. When it talks about a Russia talking in his heart, it says, their heart is the one that's full of uh, ideas and opinions and their emotions and their moods. It take a hold of them. And then it tells the person, Esav or Haman, what to do. But yeah, when we look at Tzadikim, when it talks about Chana. It says, She's the one talking to her heart. She, Chana, the person, the seichel, the mind is talking to her heart, to her moods, and they're the one in control, and that's why she ends up doing the right things. And that's a very important lesson: that you never want to get taken by your emotions and by your moods. You want to be the one controlling your moods and your emotions, and that way you can avoid being taken as Kairach was by his ego. Rashi tells us the the thing, the really the root of what started this whole thing, was Kayach was offended. Kayach was upset that he didn't get the job to be the Nasi, the leader of Shevet Levi. It was given to instead to Atzaf and Ben Uziel. felt it was his right to have it. And that's what ultimately led to Kayach's rebellion. Obviously, as things picked up, Kayach found other reasons. He brought the talis full of Tcheles and the room full of his farm, etc. like every good fight, it always starts with something. And the core of the fight was this... Offense that Kerak was not given in the nasius. Rabbi Jacobs, that's uh, one of the mashgichim on Lake Yeshiva. He used to point out an interesting thing. He says if you look back, the story of when Al and Ben gets appointed as a nasi, it's not now. It's quite a few months before this whole story happens. But you see that when a person gets offended by something, when a person gets upset about something, when something rubs his ego the wrong way. If a person just shoves it under the rug, and he bites his tongue, but he doesn't bother working on the root of the problem, working on himself, fixing his midas, and he just lets it sit there and simmer and stew, it's going to end up taking control of him. A person has to take the time when something happens to him to work on it then, to figure it out, to work on his midas, whether it's taking learning semester, whether it's speaking it out. A person can never let his grudges and his offenses simmer beneath the surface because unfortunately it usually only ends up getting much worse. When Torah lists Kairach's lineage, it lists him all the way back to Levi but it stops there. It doesn't list him as a great-grandson of Yaakov. And Rashi springs the Gemara, the Gemara says Yaakov specifically davened that his name should not be mentioned in regards to lineage of Kairach. And I saw Kairach, very interesting Kairach. He explains the reason why Yaakov asked for this is because Yaakov felt people might make a mistake. They might think that this midah, this bad caricature of Kairach, trying to usurp Moshe Rabbeinu, it's really just, Kairach is just really following in the Midas of Yaakov. Yaakov also went and grabbed the Mechairah from his older brother Asa. and Kairach is just following in his grandfather's footsteps. It's all the same thing. He says, Yaakov, Hashem, please leave my name out, so no one makes that mistake. They're two completely different things. I remember I had a Rebbe, he used to give a mashal, he said, a person gets a cup of decaf coffee. He looks at it, it looks like coffee, it smells like coffee, it tastes like coffee, but it has no caffeine. It's fundamentally different. A lot of times in life we see two things and we think they're the same. You see Kayach, you could see Yaakov, and say, yeah, it's the same idea, you're power hungry. But it's not. They're fundamentally different. What Yaakov did was a mitzvah. He was told by a navi. His mother Rivka told him that Asav is rotten and you have to take the b'chair away from him. And what Kairach did was gaiva. It was ego. It was a big mistake. It may look the same. It may smell the same. It may even taste the same. But they're fundamentally different. The Torah, everything boils down to nuance. To details and to the ability to understand that the difference between right and wrong, a lot of times, isn't blatantly obvious on the surface. A person has to stop, think, and understand. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu has very, very deep commandments for us, and so we have to take the time to understand what's truly right. Meir in responds to Kairach and his group in Parakta Zion and he says, "Hamaat Mikem, is it little for you?" And simply put, Maishu Rabenu is telling them, you know, you have such a good job as Levim, you're so close to Hashem, is that too little for you? Do you always constantly want more? But the question the Kliyakar in the Panam office asks is, that why does it say hama'at mikem? Mem is always means from. It just says hama'at lachem. Is it too little for you? To you? What's the mem from you? So the Kliyakar explains as follows. He says, you know, we find, and we count... The tribes, Sheva Levi is always the smallest. The reason is because the Aaron and the Mishkan, these are very, very holy things. And it says to the Medrash that the Aaron would, if people would act improperly, they don't want to give the Uran the complete respect that it needs, they would die. And Sheva Levi was the smallest population because sometimes they're working in a very, very dangerous zone. And sometimes they would die if they would not show sure the proper respect. To the Aaron. Says my Rabbeinu, Mikem, you are the smallest of all. You're the smallest nation of all the people as it is. Now you will be Kashtem Gam kahuna. You want to become Kahanim, Khanim as well? Do you realize how dangerous it's gonna be? As it is, Hamaat Mikem, you're the smallest of all of them. You want to be Kahanim? Oh, so how could Aran do it? The Aran Mahu Kisalinua love. Says my Mahu, who is he? What is he? Aaron has no personal zikh. He has nothing about it. He's complete un of. He's completely modest, and therefore, there's no Aaron in the picture. It's, everything's about a Such a person, he's protected from ever getting harmed by the Kedusha because Kedusha goes right through him. He has no ego, he has no personal sense of I'm a somebody. He's just a servant of Hashem, so he can never be, so to speak, harmed by the Kedusha. If you want to be like Aaron, that's one thing, but you're not Aaron Mahu. Aaron is someone on such a level of anivas, so of course he's safe. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Shevet Levi. If you want to truly have access to Kedusha, you truly want to be somebody who can go and carry the Aaron and do the service with Naya you got to first get to Aaron's level of anivas. And that's where you can be safe when dealing with the kedusha so a very interesting meshma. Plus it says in Parak Design, Hashem, you know, these people they're rebelling against me, they're accusing me of all this kind of horrible things. I never did anything wrong to them. It says, I never took anybody's donkey. And I never did anything bad to one of them. The meshakma just asks, why is it that it says in the second time around? It says, Instead of saying echod with a segal and a kamat, it says achad, one with two pataks. Here's a beautiful shot. He says a lot of times people have anivas. They're humble and they have no problem going and belittling themselves to talk to somebody or to, or to a kid and to really humble themselves down. But there's an issue that when it comes to a peer, somebody who's on their level, they have a much harder time being humble. And the reason is because if a third person is watching them in their interaction, if I see a great Rav going down and bending over to a little kid and schmoozing at him, I see he's being modest. I understand that he's a big Rav, and therefore he's you know being modest by talking to this little kid and schmoozing at him and giving him attention. But if I see that big Rav stand up for another Rav, then I'm not sure if he's being modest. Maybe the other Rav is truly bigger than him. You know, then the modesty becomes a lot more serious. Then there's room that someone actually might believe the modesty and think that actually the other person is bigger than you. Says Moshe lehar Lehar es achad mehem. Achad ha'am. Says the tiger earlier by Pelishtim and Yitzchak. Achad means the most unique, the most special. Says Moshe I never did bad to even the best of them, even the holiest of them. Eldad and Meidad started saying Navu and the Machinah, Yeshua wanted to curse them. I said, no, let everyone be Nevi'im. The Shivim Skenim, says Moshe, I doubt they should all have nivuah. I'm never out there, says Moshe Rabbeinu. Even to the best of them, I'm nice. I never get protective of my territory. Therefore, Hashem, you know I do nothing because of myself, Nothing's because of ego. It's complete anivas, and therefore, Hashem, please protect me from them, and that should be my schus. So I want to end up with one last point. The Pazik tells us that, that Hashem should punish Kayrach and his people. It says that it should be in Yivra Hashem. It shouldn't be a regular punishment. It should be something so out of the norm. Kashmir should make an entire creation of this ground opening up and swallowing them. That should be very, very obvious. It should be a miracle. The question is why? It's different different, unfortunately, different reasons. The Meshachma says, he says that he does. He says that there's a fundamental difference between the 250 rushes on Sanhedrin who brought the Kitaris, who tried to fight Meish Rabbeinu and Kairach and Dazim, and Aviram, and everybody else. Those 250 people really believed that they had, so to speak, the right or the chance to be the Krayen Gadol. The Meshachim learned that a lot of them were going to They were great tzaddikim and they really, really wanted to become closer to the Kadesh Baruch and they really thought that, like Kairach was telling them, the Mishraim made it up. But really, they could all have a right to be Kaddish. And therefore, we find that their shovels that they used to bring the Tairus were used to cover them as because they actually had kedusha in them. There was holiness in them. So, Moshe Rabbeinu says, those people, they're they going to get burnt like whatever happens to anybody who brings Tairus they're not supposed to, but it's going to be a very different type of death. It's a holy death. And there were some people, there were people who actually had a lot of kedusha in them. Kairach and his crew, says Moshe Rabbeinu, they didn't bring Tairus. They were out and out against Mashirbainu because of their own taivas and their own ego. Therefore Sumeshainu I want Akaraku to show everybody that these people were completely rotten. Kairak and everybody else, there was no Lasham Shemaim here whatsoever. Therefore, Akash Barak is go out of his way to make an entirely new creation, an entirely new form of punishment to bring out that these people were completely rotten and therefore they had to be punished so severely. If a person like the 250 came in, they, Akash never go so far to punish them because they weren't that bad. They meant good. They made a mistake. They made a big mistake. But ultimately, there was a goodness there. Kairach and his crew had to be completely destroyed in a very, very obvious way to show that it was purely ego, purely machlekes, and there's nothing good in it. Everybody should have a wonderful Shabbos.